This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Ten years ago, Malin Mitchell told the thousands of people who gathered to protest Act 10 that there was a fire in the House of Labor, and the Firefighters Union was there to put it out. The rallying cry resonated. Today, Act 10 is the law in Wisconsin, and Mitchell is still the president of the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, now with two statewide campaigns behind him. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about government and politics in Wisconsin. This is the third episode of our Act 10 anniversary series, hosted by Cap Times politics reporter Brianna Riley and education reporter Scott Gerard. They talked to Malin Mitchell about why the Firefighters Union protested the bill, what he remembers from those days, and how Act 10 shaped Wisconsin and his own life. Um, Malin, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Before we get into specific questions about your involvement in the protests, I'm hoping that you can help set the scene for us heading into the early part of 2011. You were 33, had recently been chosen to lead the State Firefighters Union. What had you thought your tenure would look like? And how did that change with the introduction of the bill that we now know as Act 10? Well, you know, internally, um, so our state association of professional firefighters of Wisconsin, which I became president of, we're about 4,000 members. Uh, we're about, we're in about 71 counties stretched out across Wisconsin. And we have about 62 locals that uh, I represented and, or was done with the task of representing at the time. So I, I thought my first, actually it was just my first couple of weeks before Act 10 came out. I thought my first couple of weeks would be um, rearranging furniture and getting the office in order and moving stuff in, moving stuff out learning, you know, the intricacies of the job, because I was on the board only two years prior to becoming president, and also looking at legislation, which is our main goal and our main focus of this, our association, looking at legislation that would advance the interests of firefighters. But uh, then, as it were, the bomb was dropped and changed my life forever. Firefighters and police officers weren't included under the provisions of the Act 10 legislation, and the professional firefighters of Wisconsin initially supported it. How did you go from that stance to becoming such a regular face at the Capitol protests opposing the measures? Now, we never supported Act 10. I don't know if that's what you were saying, just to be clear. Um, um, we, We didn't know what was actually going on. We didn't know what the actual changes were. We didn't know what the budget repair bill was. I was at the press conference along with a lot of other members from the AFL-CIO because we were asked and I'm, I'm, I sit on the AFL-CIO executive board. And uh, this is, I think before I even had a meeting, but we get an email that, Hey, there's going to be some changes to uh, mediation arbitration. We thought um, when it came to public sector unions, um, so Governor Walker is having a press conference. I forget the date exactly, but he had a press conference and all of the labor leaders from the AFL-CO, we were all standing in one corner, um, really outside of the press room because we weren't necessarily invited. We were standing at it on outside of the press room and uh, huddled up. And I'll tell you, even after 
he gave his press conference, I, I didn't, me personally, I didn't even understand the full ramification of what was happening because it was the, the press conference wasn't that detailed as obviously the 150 paid budget repair bill was. Um, I think it dropped that night. So I remember being with uh, actually the executive director of WPPA, Jim Palmer, and we were getting a lot of strange looks from other AFL-CO members because they thought that we worked out and cut a deal uh, with the governor to be exempted. And I'm serious. I, I still was like exempted from what? I didn't understand exactly what was actually in the bill like this because we didn't have a copy of the bill. But when police and fire were exempt, it obviously looked a lot like we had done some backdoor dealing, which is not the case. We didn't cut a deal. I didn't, I had never talked to Scott Walker prior to that other than um, him coming into our union meeting at the local and state level to ask for our endorsement. We actually endorsed Tom Barrett, I believe was the candidate that was running against him. My state association, as well as my local did, endorsed Tom Barrett. So I just remember going and meeting with uh, Democratic leaders um, and, and getting a lot of strange looks from a lot of members, statewide AFL-CO ex exec members that I know them all now, but back then didn't know them well, and they thought we cut a deal. So it was a, it was a tense, strange, strange time that day and the preceding weeks. Why was it important then, you know, for the firefighters union to, to stand with other public sector unions and activists against a proposal that, you know, didn't impact you directly? You know, nowadays they call it solidarity. Back then we just call it really the right thing to do. And as firefighters and paramedics, we try to do the right thing. We're not perfect, but we try to do the right thing. I, I think my first speech, um, and I stole this tagline, somebody else gave me this tagline as we we're standing at the rally, but uh, I think they said, you know, go up there and say the house of labor is on fire and firefighters are here to put it out. So it's, it's important because that's what being a union and unionism is about. It's standing up for others. It's standing together. It's standing as one. And our, our voices are stronger together. Um, our power is, is more defined and, and broader if we are together as a unit. Um, and even though we weren't affected, we knew eventually that it would come down and affect us. And that eventually, um, you know, an injury to one is an injury at all. From Martin Luther King quote, of course, that comes to mind. But it was about doing the right thing. And, you know, the, the, when it comes to labor, that's what labor is all about, is standing together and being united. Even when something doesn't affect you, you stand up for your other brothers and sisters in the fight. So that's what we're doing. And we continue to do now to this day. For a lot of people here in Wisconsin, those protests were sort of their first foray into demonstrating and for some even just politics in general. Was that the case for you? Uh, hell yes. I was not... Um, ever, ever thinking about running for any political office. Um, when I became state president, I knew I was going to get more involved politically just by way of trying to get um, legislation passed that would benefit our members and firefighters all across the state. Um, and I knew I would get more involved in, you know, looking and endorsing certain candidates as well as uh, trying to raise money and dollars for our PAC to give to candidates. But I never thought that I would get that political and be thrust and thrown into something that big and something that was that political and so fast. Right. It seemed like it seemed like it didn't, ha it didn't, but it seemed like it happened overnight. And then once the recall came and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later, but the recall and everything else that uh, happened in the next year, I think 2012. Um, no, I never thought I'd be running for office for anything. 
other than office for being state president, which we have to run here, but it's, we're elected by our members and delegates at our state convention. How did it feel to navigate sort of that, that entry into this being at such a big moment? You know what? There was really no time to think. You know, everyone thinks like what we had with the rallies, that everything was like planned for us. You know, even even our if you look, if you go back and look at some of the pictures, our flags are not on flag poles, a true traditional flag pole you would carry. Our flags are actually on what we use some a tool called a pike pole, something we would use to after the after the fire is over to um, pull down ceiling or do what's called overhaul. We just we just zip tied flags to the pike pole. And the reason that happened is because we decided to like together and I had to talk to the leaders across the state um, from the firefighters said, Hey, should we be at the rallies? You know, we're not involved, but should we be at the rallies? Like, yeah, we should probably be at the rallies. Okay. And I had a guy call and say, well, if we're going to go to rallies, we should probably, should we have a bagpipe? Like, yeah, we should have a bagpipe. Okay. Let's bring that. Like, Oh, if we bring a bagpipe, should we bring a drum then? Like, well, if we're going to bring a bagpipe, you got to have a drum to march to. So yeah, we should bring a drum too. Well, we've got to bring a bagpipe. We're going to be there. And we're going to have a drum. We got to have flags lead us. Right. Well, yeah, let's can let's bring a couple flags. I mean, that's how the original for us rally started. And the other reason, other thing is, we weren't planning to walk in the Capitol, you know, a little bit later than everybody else. We were just a little bit later because we actually were waiting for buses to come from the Coliseum Bar and Grill to meet us at Station One, and they were running a little bit behind. So all this stuff was not like well thought out and planned because it happened so fast and. Uh, you know, the rallies get more organized and and speakers are more organized and everything else. But the original rallies, the, the, like the first couple, and we weren't at the very first one. I think it was the TAAs that started some of the rallies, I believe. But when we came to the big to the rally and the bigger ones, we were just doing what we thought was right. And it, it was just it was chaos. And it was it was wild chaos. And us walking through the Capitol, I'll never forget walking through the Capitol and being able to lead the charge just by way of my position, you know, and, and but it was, it was really every firefighter was there. We had 60 to 100 firefighters there in those first couple of protests. And that was just amazing to see the outpouring support from our members across the state. And again, I was a new, brand new president. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. What other big moments or memories stick out to you from from you know those weeks and weeks of protests? Um, I remember when the Senate left town the Senate Democrats and Senate 14. I believe they were, they were affectionately named, but uh, I remember when they left town, but I also remember probably the, one of the biggest rallies is when they came back. And uh, I mean, they were treated, I mean, I, you would have thought they were, they just won the, the, you know, won the Super Bowl or something, the way the crowd was treating them. I mean, it, it, it was a great thing what they did. Don't get me wrong, but when they came back and Susan Sarandon there and, and, and all these, you know, famous figures there, Michael Moore being at one of the rallies um, and marching with him. 
but when the Senate senators came back, that was uh, one heck of a rally. And walking around the Capitol, I mean, it didn't seem like it was even in Madison, Wisconsin. It seemed like we were on a movie set almost. It was so surreal. Um, and I enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoyed watching them. I enjoyed how they were received by all the folks that were in support that were there um, and on what they did. I got to talk to some of the senators when they were gone. Uh, some, you know, and they, were, they were holding up pretty good. Some not some better than others, but uh, that was just surreal as well. And having some of those superstars come, I, I remember Susan Sarandon, I think it was Susan Sarandon being at the protest um, and just looking over, I'm like, wow, there's a superstar here for union, for a union protest in an anti-labor legislation protest. I mean, it's just, some of it was unbelievable. And then watching it on TV that night. So you would go pro protest and rally, then you would see it on MSNBC or CNN. And sometimes I was on those shows, but watching it on TV at night too was, it all seems very, very uh, distant right now, but it was, it was, it was unbelievable at the time. And then also when the farmers came, um, and I'm not a farmer, I'm a, I'm a city boy, but uh, when the farmers came with their tractors, um, that was pretty, that was awesome as well. Lots of moments to, to recall there. Um, yeah. Your involvement in those protests really seemed to mold your political identity as a Democratic candidate for governor years later in 2018, uh, when you presented yourself partly as as the labor candidate. How much of a role would you say Act 10 had in shaping your perception of the political process and sort of the space you wanted to occupy within it? Um, it had a huge role. I, I didn't, again, like I said earlier, I wasn't set out to be I, at least I wasn't thinking I was running in partisan politics ever. Um, but when uh, Act 10 happened, obviously it got me really, really engaged. You know, me and Scott Walker, you probably heard me say this, but me and Scott Walker, we graduated from the same high school. Um, he's from, from Delavan, Wisconsin. He's a little bit older than I am, about 10 years older than I am. But uh, we obviously had a different upbringing, probably. But uh, he... Uh, he's actually one who probably drove me to being more of a Democrat, I guess you would say, and also definitely running for office. Cause I just think we, I just think we had to get rid of him. I just thought he, I thought it was bad news. Um, I thought a lot of things he was doing were just politically motivated, uh, which obviously he's a governor. So I guess it should be politically motivated, but I mean, politically motivated for his next step. Um, he talked about that right to work was a distraction, um, but now we're a right to work state that did happen under his tutelage. And uh, it made me just realize that everything we do in life is shaped by politics. And a wise person once told me, like, you can you cannot like politics, but the politics likes you because everything you do is shaped by politics. And my mom used to always say that you're you're either on the you're either at the table or you're on the menu, and you don't want to be on the menu. So to be at the table, you got to be in the political arena. And uh, I ran because I thought it was the right time, right place. I was getting encouraged by a lot of folks to run. Um, I, you know, I hate when politicians say that. Well, there are people are asking me to run. I shouldn't even say that. I hate. Anyway, but people were asking me to run. I just hate when people say that. But anyway, um, you know, I had a lot of support out there. And, and, and a lot of it came from Act 10. And I was not, and I'm not a household name now, right? But I wouldn't be doing this interview with you two unless it was for Act 10. Um, so... You know, it, it did heighten the, my profile, so to speak, and that, it, it gave me the ability to be um, sitting here talking with you as well as the ability to run for higher office. Now, I didn't win, but uh, I gave him hell. 
I hated that that primary. I mean, it's good. Democracy is great and all, but being on the other side of that and being in a, a primary of nine to ten folks is just miserable. Because we're all, I mean, we're all, for the most part, we all agree. And I know that's not what we came to talk about, but we all agree with what everyone's saying. So it's hard to distinguish yourself from another, you know, progressive or someone that's, you know, okay, we all don't like Walker. Well, okay, no, no, no crap, no kidding. You know, we all want labor rights. Okay, yeah. Progressive ideals, yeah. Healthcare for everybody. Okay, well, how do you distinguish yourself? And you're saying the same thing over and over. It was just... Never again for me running in a crowded primary, I tell you that. I, I don't blame you. Um, that just, having witnessed so many of these crowded primaries taking place in these four open Madison seats, uh, the two state Senate and two state assembly ones over the summer, just crazy, just just crazy. Yeah. But um, I, I, I want to bring it back a little bit to Act 10 and sort of how it shaped the you know, both the legislation itself and the rhetoric surrounding it contributed to the current political landscape that we're now witnessing in Wisconsin. How do you think Act 10 played a role in, in shaping that? Um, well, the political landscape, you know, I, I think uh, divide and conquer works in politics. And the divide was put in place by Governor Walker saying that, you know, we have this $3.5 billion structural deficit, I believe was this number. And if, what, if it weren't for those state employees or those teachers having great benefits, not paying a dime for their health care, even though we know we bargained over time to have our health care at a cost that we can afford in lieu of raises. And if these state employees didn't have these great pensions, even though our pension fund is great, one of the best pension, if not the best pension plans in the world, um, and we also bargain over time in lieu of raises, not getting raises to keep our pension affordable for us. Um, if they didn't have these pensions, then, you know, your life would be better and our state's finances would be great. Um, so the divide was that he picked an enemy. In this case, the enemy was public sector unions and public sector employees, working class people were the enemy of other working class people. And he divided our state and it worked. And I think a lot of the political rhetoric and the political landscape that we're currently here in the state, as well as the political landscape at the national level. I think Donald Trump, and I'm not getting too political here, but I think former President Donald Trump actually used a lot of Scott Walker's tactics and created an enemy. His enemy was different, but still, same philosophy, and that is to have an enemy, you keep handling that enemy. If you keep saying the same thing over and over and over, people start to believe it to be true. Um, and that's how you can divide people. and. And unfortunately, it divides people. It also um, turns people off from the political um, arena. And they just, you know, just want to turn the noise off, period. So a lot of the legislation that, that we see now, um, voter ID and other things that are across our state, uh, you know, 0% levy increases, they all stemmed from Act 10 and, and Governor Walker creating an enemy. So the current political landscape we're in now is... A lot of that, I mean, Act 10 had a lot to do with everything that we're seeing now for the most part. On the other side of things, you know, given you were a Democratic candidate for statewide office, how much do you think Act 10 has shaped the Wisconsin Democratic Party? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's definitely something that we talk about in every election. It's something that, unfortunately, you have to, as a Democrat and as um, and trying to come up with a strategy 
you know, there was, there was, we did a recall, right? And the recall was recalling a sitting governor for a legislative issue uh, or legislation that was passed. It wasn't because of malfeasance or nonfeasance or, you know, anything dereliction of office. It was legislative issue. And obviously we found out that a lot of Wisconsinites at the time did not agree with that uh, recall election. And it was talked, I mean, we were talking about Act 10 the entire time. I mean, that's why we're doing a recall. So that's what we talked about. That turned out to not be a winning recipe. So now I think on the Democratic side, there's a lot of strategists and paid consultants that are figuring out the best way to message around uh, labor rights and workers' rights, um, but also not get back into some of the fights of 2011 and 12 um, because did not prove to be successful on the other end when it came to electoral politics. But also, if you look at what happened with Act 10 and then you go to Ohio, which I was there for SB5, some of the things that happened with uh, uh, John Kasich, it all trickled down and it started in Wisconsin. Look at what happened with some things in Missouri, Iowa. It all trickled down. It all started with Act 10 here in Wisconsin. We were the, unfortunately for us labor folks, we were the standard bearer at the time for what Republican governors could and wanted to do to unions. So as Democrats, it's, it's, it's about messaging and it's about making sure that we, we still believe in our core values. And that is that, you know, workers' rights, making sure that we're sticking up for unions, um, but messaging around unions and what unions actually do and, and why unions are important in this world. I mean, there's a reason why billionaires are spending millions of dollars to try to get rid of unions. It's because unions do, they work and stick up for the middle class and the working class people. You know, 10 years later, you're still the head of the State Firefighters Union. How do you believe the labor movement has been impacted by Act 10? And was the law as damaging as opponents feared it would be? Yeah, the law was very damaging. I mean, we're a place where AFSCME started. You know, Great Union AFSCME started in Wisconsin in 1932. I think we had over 60,000 members uh, between state, local, and county employees that were AFSCME members. Now I think they're less than, I know they're less than 15,000, I believe. Maybe, maybe a little more than that, um, but I know they've been cut tremendously. Same thing with the teachers union and the NEA affiliate. Um, and, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, that proves that their members didn't want to be part of their, their union. But it's not true. It's because what Act 10 did, it didn't just make minor changes. It's, it, Act 10 was Janus on steroids. I mean, Act 10 only allowed public sector unions to have one-year contracts, and you can only you can't bargain over anything above CPI or COLA. Um, you have to have a, be recognized by the state. You have to be recertified every year. You have to have 50 plus one percent of your entire membership, not the membership at the meeting, but the entire membership to sign on every year. And you can't there are no mediation or arbitration provisions. It's took away the ability for unions to do actually their work and actually cover their members. So that's why you're seeing a decline in membership. But one day it'll change. Uh, politics is cyclical. I think it definitely affected unions, and it, it, it was all about politics, in my opinion. Um, it was not about what was right or what was wrong. It was about Scott Walker um, wanting to cripple his political enemies or adversaries. And uh, it's unfortunate because unions do so much more, so much more than politics. Politics is a very minute part of it, what unions actually provide for their members back, back at home. But we're, we're getting through it. We're strong. I mean, our union actually, the firefighters and police officers, we, when it came to Act 10, was there. But Act 32, the big budget that came later that year, 
actually took away the ability for us to bargain over healthcare, uh, what's called co uh, plan and design, which is actually co-pays and deductibles. So we did lose uh, some labor protections and labor rights uh, as firefighters and police officers. So we were impacted as well. It just was Act 32, not Act 10. And a lot of, a lot of us think it's because we did stand out, stand up for our brothers and sisters in labor, but um, that's what we do. And uh, we would do it all over again. Malin, thank you so much for taking the time to relive this, you know, 10 years later. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Glad we could uh, get it set up. Great to talk with you. It too. brings back some memories. Wow. Like flashbacks <laughs> have right now. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. Watch for the rest of our Act 10 series coming out over the next few weeks. This series was reported by Brianna Riley and Scott Gerard and produced by me, Jessica Poyan. To read more Act 10 coverage or to get in touch with us, go to captimes.com. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.